Over the last decade, coffee drinkers from around the world have taken an interest in the rich, dark beverage found on most kitchen tables in the mornings and in cafes around the world. Coffee has become a topic of interest because consumers are eager to know where coffee beans come from, the production process and the community responsible for processing this popular beverage. In this episode of Changing Narratives Africa, we delve into the wonderful world of coffee, following the trail of where and how coffee turns from crop to drink, its global distribution and what the future of your morning java looks like. I am Natalie Sifuma. And I'm Les Mirungu. And we are your hosts. Welcome to Changing Narratives Africa. Natalie, you know, to talk about the vibrant coffee culture, we need to begin with numbers, right? Recent studies show that around the world, coffee is the second most popular drink after water. Like most food items, coffee is a crop whose first home is within the rich soils of subtropical regions. And according to the World Population Review, approximately 70 countries around the world produce coffee. But the coffee we know and love only comes from 50 of these countries. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Only 50? And of this number, 19 African countries have elevated the continent's status as a coffee hub. Countries within the central region such as Angola, Burundi, Cameroon, Congo, the DRC, the Central African Republic and Rwanda are producers of coffee. And then in East Africa, Ethiopia, Kenya, Tanzania and Uganda's climates allow for coffee growth throughout the year. In West Africa, Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, Guinea and Togo produce a rich blend of a coffee species. And then in Southern Africa, Malawi, Madagascar, Zambia and Zimbabwe are dominating the region's coffee produce. With all these producers, coffee may well be synonymous with Africa. (laughs) Very true. Africa is surely the home of this heritage drink. But coffee as we know it isn't simply just coffee. There are two species, Arabica and Robusta. We spoke with Vern Long, the chief executive officer of the World Research Coffee, and she shared more on this. So there's quite a large um, historical presence and current presence of, of Robusta coffee uh, across that, that wide belt across the continent. Um, there are also other species of coffee. So Stenophila is one that many have heard about in recent, in recent months. Um, there's been a lot of interest in that, and that's a coffee that is historically from uh, West Africa and in Sierra Leone and Liberia. So it's really exciting to think about all the different species of coffee, but the one that we drink um, most in the United States uh, is predominantly Arabica, and that's the one that originates from Um, uh, the highland areas of Ethiopia. You know, from listening to that, it's impossible not to take pride in Africa as a producer. However, despite the continent's rich history as a home of coffee, the leading global exporters of both Arabica and Robusta are actually Brazil, Vietnam, Colombia and Honduras. Still, Africa's coffee culture continues to grow and the quality of coffee has gained much appreciation. For instance, you know, there are notable trends of processing coffee for local and continental consumption. And so while we aren't leading on the global front, continentally, Ethiopia is the largest producer and exporter of Arabica, making it a key part of the Arabica supply chain, while Uganda and Rwanda are major players in Robusta supply. Now let's focus on Ethiopia for a moment here. 
Globally, Ethiopia is the fifth largest producer and accounts for about 4% of global coffee production. But Ethiopians too enjoy coffee. In fact, they make it for themselves first. And that's why there's a diverse and exceptional coffee culture in Ethiopia. Because coffee is basically a national drink consumed throughout the day. Yes, in fact, it's estimated that 50% of coffee produced in Ethiopia is consumed locally. Right. So most smallholder farmers grow coffee in their backyards for daily consumption because coffee is practically a part of lifestyle there. Then there are coffee ceremonies, which are a key part of social and cultural life in the country. So, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to know what happens in these ceremonies. <laughs> I'm glad you've asked. The ceremonies, like any other around the world, begin with an invitation from a family. This invitation is considered a symbol of friendship, sometimes respect, but also a key indicator of Ethiopian hospitality. The ceremony itself involves processing raw coffee beans into finished cups of coffee. This is usually done by either the woman of the house or a younger woman in the household. But what makes the ceremony unique is the various activities that take place before the processing. Like first, the woman prepares a room for the ritual. Once the guests arrive, she spreads fresh grass and flowers on the floor and then burns incense to ward off spirits. The incense burns throughout the ceremony. She then washes the coffee beans, roasts them, then grinds them and adds the ground coffee into a pot with water that's placed over hot coal. Once boiled, the coffee is served to the guest starting with the oldest and thereafter the rest. There are three rounds of coffee servings, with the second and the third progressively weaker than the first. <laughs> wow, I mean it looks like no coffee goes to waste. And I'm reminded once more how vital and wonderful culture is. Ethiopia also has several coffee experts who are more familiar with these ceremonies. And it was interesting to touch base with Sarah Yirga, a coffee trainer and exporter from Ethiopia, to understand more about coffee culture and ceremonies. So if a family is having a new child arriving, the next, like the neighboring family is taking care of her, a group of women are, uh, you know, uh, taking the place of the husband and, you know, taking care of the family. So that's, they do it around coffee. They eat, there is a special uh, food that we make when we have babies. We make, we call it gumfo, which is a porridge kind of thing. It's butter and spicy pepper. Uh, there is a coffee ceremony like three, four times a day because people come visiting. That's our coping mechanism. Mm. So it is our platform to be socially connected, deal with issues and be a better person as well. Mm. Wherever there is coffee, there is conversation. Wherever, wherever there is conversation, it's home. Wherever there is coffee, it's like home. So the cafes in Ethiopia are not like the busy cafes you see in Europe or the U.S., just grab and go. They're like places where people gather and political issues. It could be social. It could be like a personal conversation. Any kind of conversation around coffee is a normal routine for an average Ethiopian. Any Ethiopian, uh, I can say. Sarah's company, Yaa Coffee Roasters, is a roast and coffee export company based in Addis Ababa. She and her husband Dagmawi have and continue to invest in quality coffee and are currently exporting to buyers in Africa, North America, 
Europe and Asia. She recently launched a coffee corner that caters to customers in Boston, serving 100% Ethiopian coffee brewed the Jabena way, which is a unique brewing method in Ethiopia. It's interesting to know that Ya Coffee Roasters was designed to serve Africa and then the world, but is now serving more countries outside the continent because she and Dagmawi understood the global market and identified their competitive advantage. Now, Sarah is one of many African professionals in the coffee space. She's putting Ethiopian coffee on a global table, but it's not just Ethiopian coffee that's getting people around the world into cafes. There's coffee from other countries that have specific qualities that make them unique. Natalie, consider this me thinking out loud. But with all this love for coffee, some listeners might wonder, how then does the simple coffee berry become a world favorite beverage? Well, it's all in the processing technique. One thing to note is that what we typically call a coffee bean is in fact a seed of a fruit, what most people often refer to as a cherry. As you've said, the coffee ceremonies show a way of preparing coffee, and that's unique to Ethiopia. But there's other ways that coffee is processed, and that's through wet processing or sun drying. In wet processing, coffee cherries are placed into water for about 12 hours so that the cherry pulp can be removed and the bean exposed. Thereafter, the beans spend two weeks drying on a raised bed. High-quality beans are reserved for sun drying once they've been sorted by hand. They are then placed on raised beds in the sun for several weeks. Coffee processing continues to be relevant thanks to growth in consumer interests. Coffee drinkers are now going beyond understanding the concept of taste and feel. In addition to understanding the processing, they are interested in knowing the story behind coffee from different countries, from how it's grown to the communities involved in these stages of coffee production. Let's look at Kenya, for instance. Kenya AA Coffee, which is one of the world's best coffee beans, is grown at altitudes higher than 6,000 feet above sea level. These beans produce consistent, flavorful coffee and are best served at a light to medium roast. Kenya and Ethiopia's production accounts for 62% of sub-Saharan Africa's coffee output. And in Africa at large, it is estimated that between 9 and 11 million coffee farmers are directly involved in production activities. This investment in the processing and production of coffee is proof of its great value. You know what? I agree with that. Though as we dug deeper into our research, we discovered that despite the demand, there are still fractures in the system. Some producers are disconnected from the market. To bridge this gap, World Coffee Research, also known as WCR, has and continues to facilitate the growth and protection of quality coffee through research that has enabled them to enhance supplies needed for this produce. Beyond the production of quality coffee, they've helped improve livelihoods of farmers who produce coffee. I think WCR is doing a good job. I'm reminded of a success story from their initiative working with the Rwandan coffee sector. Since they started supporting Rwandese farmers, they are now more informed on global markets and are doing a great job in this space. Vern told us more about this. 
Rwandan producer groups were really interested in figuring out how could they improve the quality of their coffee and take advantage of the price premium in the market for high quality coffee. And so they started to innovate and experiment. Co-ops developed systems to reduce the time from when you harvest to getting your coffee to the the washing station to make sure you don't lose quality. Because if you, you know, if you wait, you know, a couple of days from when you harvest your your cherry and get it to the washing station, the quality of that cherry really goes down and it's not very good. But you really need to position those washing stations in approximate you know, proximate to those producers so that they can quickly, you know, on a bicycle, get their coffee over to the washing station quickly so that they could um, really get that, that quality out of, you know, they've done so much during the production process. You don't want those, the last mile of getting your coffee from the tree to the washing station to be where it falls apart. And so it was really the co-op community and the, and, you know, farmers from across the country that were really figuring it out. They were just testing things, trying things out, and developed a, an incredibly robust system. A number of washing stations were set up. Um, cooperatives really banded together to make it happen. And at the same time, the roaster community really wanted the communities to succeed. And so there was um, you know, a leap of faith on the part of some roasters who said, I'll buy a container. And they did. And it really created these market linkages that helped um, sort of a push-pull opportunity. So a pull from the roasters for this higher quality coffee that made it worth it for farmers to do all of this innovation and figure out what worked for their cooperatives and their communities to be able to, um, to hit the market specifications required to get that premium. This success story has attracted other African governments such as the Angola, Mozambique, Malawi and Zimbabwe governments, to name a few. Additionally, there are communities of producers who have been successful in building direct trade linkages, which in turn has strengthened long-term relationships between coffee roasters and buyers. This interest has enabled the process of diversification of coffee supply as countries continue to be interested in investing in this sector. While grower communities are becoming more interested in making the effort to make these partnerships productive and profitable for them. True. And in this regard, technology plays a significant role. New approaches and management tools to reduce the cost of production, improve productivity and make it a viable living through commercial production has shown that there is an opportunity for farmers to be successful and be able to afford and maintain their lifestyle. As for where Africa is headed when it comes to coffee, it's clear that African producers might be able to expand into other coffee species as more research is conducted on how well other species can do on African soils and within various climates. The future of coffee on this beautiful continent is both bright and profitable. I mean, this has been a very insightful episode and I can honestly say that I have a deeper appreciation and understanding for coffee. <laughs> Me too. I might add coffee connoisseur to my bio after this. I mean, I don't see why not. You should. <laughs> to the listeners, this episode of Changing Narratives Africa has been brought to you by Natalie Sifuma and Lesmi Rungu. Remember to subscribe to CNA on your preferred podcast platform to stay updated on new episodes. And if you found value in this content, we would appreciate a rating on iTunes or you could also tell a friend about the show. To learn more about the ideas and products we've explored, visit our website, changingnarrativesafrica.com. 